0: and mercy is yours from the Triune God, amen. Yesterday on Facebook, a friend of mine who lives in Fort Collins posted a shocking photo of the High Park fire. What looked to be an entire forest of tall, proud trees was being consumed in violent red and yellow flames, and her caption for the photo was, Man, Mother Nature looks angry. Not to make light of it, but I couldn't help but the posting the following thankful response. I love it when sometimes people blame Mother Nature instead of God, I wrote. It just kind of gives my guy a break for a change. <laughs> Some of us, when we see huge destruction like that, or any kind of senseless suffering, are so quick to assume that God is causing it. Like God is a big spoiled kid up in heaven with a magnifying glass burning us little ants below just because God's bored and kind of heartless. It can be easy to project big things on this, like suffering, but it can also be easy to project big things on God, like great stuff that happens. I even find myself doing the same thing when really big things happen too. For instance, last month, uh, my Senate elected a new bishop. And it was the guy I was really hoping would be elected, the guy I think is just right for the job and who also happens to be a friend of mine. And while I found myself wanting to say, you know, it was really beautiful seeing how the Holy Spirit worked in the election process, until I realized if the election went differently and some other guy won, I'm pretty sure I would have said, hey, why didn't the Holy Spirit show up? So I started wondering, on what basis do we assume God is or is not active in the world? Because I guess I most often hear myself and others attribute really big things, good and bad, to God. Which is why I was really challenged this week by Jesus' parables about the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like really small seeds that grow without us knowing how. Given how we attribute like really big things, good and bad, to God, It's weird that all the times that Jesus describes God's kingdom, he never uses images of big deal stuff. He never uses images of raging forest fires or us winning the lottery. Which means that none of these things Jesus speaks of when he speaks of the kingdom adhere to my expectations of how God works. And I think maybe that's kind of the whole point. Because our text today said that Jesus spoke to them in parables about God's kingdom as they were able to hear it, as they had ears to hear. And if there's one thing that keeps me from having ears that can hear Christ and eyes that can see Christ, it's my own expectations. Jesus' original audience, largely being Jews and peasants under Roman occupation, had expectations too. Namely, that the Messiah would come and defeat their enemies. And given those expectations, they most likely had ears to hear Jesus saying that he had come to bring a kingdom in which Rome got kicked to the curb, a kingdom where the downtrodden and colonized would become the new Rome. And yet the guy kept talking about seeds, and I'm pretty sure that was a big disappointment. (laughs) Some Christians have expectations only of a life to come. Our expectations are based in the fact that we think God has kind of given up on this lousy world and our only job is to be good, which means living a strained, furrowed brow of a pious little life here on earth so that in the next life, the good one, we get to finally be with God. And yet Jesus speaks of God in this world, in the very real people, in the very physical things around us, and that must be a little disappointing. And other believers have more political expectations. We only have ears to hear a more societal message. That the kingdom of God is about social reform. It's about peace and justice and fair wages and gender equality. And as it ends up, the kingdom of God is almost identical with the platform of the Democratic Party. (laughs) Yet in Luke's gospel, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you which must be a disappointment. (laughs) I don't think the invitation in Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God is to be kingdom builders because that's God's work, although we get to participate. And it's not to ignore the suffering around us because we have some kind of sweet all-inclusive eternal vacation package in the afterlife. I think the invitation of Jesus' parables is to awareness and it's to being present Now that might sound a little new-agey, and I promise you it doesn't mean you have to start wearing hemp pants and listening (laughs) to jam bands. But I really think that the promise of Jesus' parables is found in the ways that they subvert our expectations in order to bring us to new awareness of the absolute miracle of life which is always in the present. And the way in which God is always in the present. In these parables of the kingdom of God, Jesus offers us little riddles that are like poetic field guides for recognizing God's redeeming work around us and within us. And the only way to see it is to stop looking for what we expect to find. I don't know why God works through small things, through easily missed Long simmering things, why God works through riddles more than answers. I don't know why Jesus would say the kingdom of God is within us. It doesn't always feel like that. I don't know why, but I do know that it's true, and I know that it's all around us, and I know that Jesus really doesn't want us to miss it. And if I had to guess, at why Jesus talked incessantly about the kingdom of God, the ways in which God works in us and in the world, it would be because ultimately we serve a God who wants to be known. God desires to be known. But the tricky thing has always been that you can't know God in the same way you know other things, like your locker combination or a cake recipe or the plot of Little Women. Knowing God involves a lot of unknowing. It involves awareness and what the mystics uh, called having a beginner's mind. Yes, I believe knowing God means gathering with the community to hear God's word and be nourished by God's meal, but it also means maybe letting go of our assumptions of where and how God shows up in our lives. Because maybe the kingdom of God is like the thing we miss seeing because we're staring at a forest fire. Maybe to believe in the Kingdom of God is not to support a political agenda or to wait to be raptured into heaven. To believe in the Kingdom of God is to have ears to hear God's voice where we don't expect it. Like in the middle of the clamoring brokers on the floor of Wall Street and the shouting drug dealers on the corner of 28th and Fairfax. To believe in the Kingdom of God is to have eyes to see Christ even maybe even most especially in the face of our enemies. To believe in the kingdom of God is to defiantly stand in the midst of small things, insignificant people and unimpressive events and to know that this is the raw material of redemption. And to defiantly believe that God is actively making whole that which is broken in us and in the world. To believe in the kingdom of God is to see the world as God sees it. It is to love ourselves and each other in this beautiful broken world with the heart of God. And then, yes, it is to get down to work. These are crazy beautiful things in which to believe and participate. And it's pretty cool that God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, pay attention. Amen.